Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Savitelli, podcast host and president and CEO at NAOP. You're listening to the NAOP podcast, Inside CRE, featuring interviews with commercial real estate leaders who share industry and career insights. NAOP, the Commercial Real Estate Development Association, is the development industry's leading source for education, advocacy, and connections that drive your business forward. Welcome back for part two of my conversation with Kate Nolan Bryden, Senior Vice President at MRP Industrial, and Celeste Tanner, President and Chief Development Officer of Confluent Development. You know, we've spent the past few minutes here really talking a lot about kind of this next generation and, and looking at talent and talent development, you know, recruiting and retaining that talent. You know, it, it's become a bigger challenge, particularly in the past few years. And, you know, as you both were talking about this, it got me to think, you know, what do you think that commercial real estate needs to do to not only recruit, but to get the best talent involved in the industry? I, I mean, I think we need to show them how much fun we're having over here, right? Like yeah. real estate is a great, it's, it's dynamic. It's not... Uh, it's not often linear, you know, it's not, it's not something you stop thinking about when you go home, like you're constantly, or at least it's been my experience that you're constantly working through problems, even when you're, you know, off or, or, or out of the office. Um, So it's, it's definitely uh, making that value proposition that this is an exciting career path. And there's lots of growth potential, both as a you know practitioner, but then also eventually an investor. And so an opportunity to grow personal wealth and family wealth, making those opportunities and that value proposition more clear to the young generation through a crowdfunding app where you get sort of an education in this. I don't know exactly how we get there, but I, I know we need to show them how much fun we're having and how much opportunity there is. And they will you know, the, the ones who like being on teams, because this is inherently a team sport, the ones who like being on teams will sort of self-select, I think. Yeah. yeah. And and I think too, I, I mean, I don't know if you see this, Kate, but part of, part of the struggle I find is we are pulling, it feels like from an increasingly selective pool, ironically, right? Because we're doing all these steps to try and broaden our exposure in the industry. And, and part of it, I mean, I look at my NAOP experience and I say, you know, locally we go out and we do university outreach and we try and expose college students to the wide array of opportunities that are in real estate, right? It's more than just being a broker or developer or a lender. You can be in title, you can go into real estate law, you can do, yep. you know, there's, there's this really, really wide spectrum. And without fail, and these are respected institutions, right? But without fail, we have several students every time that are like, I had no idea. I didn't even know that these opportunities were available. And they're, you know, graduating, <laughs> right? right. I, I mean, yeah. it just, this, this notion of like getting further down in the pool and being able to, to your point, Mark, like identify students, even at the high school level, yep. just to give them exposure, just to say, you know, hey, look, you're in buildings all the time. Have you ever thought about them? How do they affect you? How does this school building affect you versus other ones you've been in? And did you know mm-hmm. that you can make a living kind of improving the way you occupy space and and be able to experiment? And I, I mean, I think part of it is the team component for sure. We've talked a lot about it. 
for our side of the industry, I also think it's a risk tolerance. People yeah. cannot be list checkers no. and do our business. They have yeah. to be able to work in a highly dynamic environment, be able to take and mitigate risk. And yeah. those things get, get trained and taught thoughtfully when you're a teenager going into adulthood. So like, that's right. the more we can dive in and really start to get to that level and God help us recruit against the, the Googles and Apples and stuff of the world and be right. like, no, I swear we're just as cool. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, that's a hard sell, but we can totally it do it because I believe it. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I mean, you have to get to people early if you want them to, to, to start to consider a career in real estate. Otherwise, they're, they're, they're going to get swayed by something cooler and shinier and uh, on the surface, a greater opportunity, but without kind of recognizing the long-term loss that they, they had in not selecting our industry as an opportunity. So yeah, yeah I don't know. We got to get to them earlier. I'm, I'm already training my daughter as my replacement. I feel like she's, uh, <laughs> she, she's, she's much more, uh, uh, you know, suited to construction management than, than I'll ever be. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, we're just saying, I, I hope it's saying something, but it's, you know, it's kind of making sure that the kids, I think, don't just see career opportunities as, you know, tech, doctor, lawyer, teacher, banker, right? I mean, and yeah. knowing that a lot of those things actually exist within commercial real estate and, you know, they, they could have a very, a very fulfilling and fun time creating something that they can see afterward and likely for the entire duration of their career like i can't name a single person that i've worked with that doesn't talk about a previous project that they passed yeah. or that or you know as we're driving be like ah oh, you know i know who built that building or i was an intern on that building and that's just an opportunity that you don't have uh outside of a you know career path like the physical world of real estate so you know it's i think we have to find a way to sell that to the younger generation and hopefully Nayab can can help us hone in on that message. Well, you yeah, know, sure. I hope we can help on it too. You know what I want to talk here and Celeste, I'm actually going to start with you with this one because I want to talk a little bit about some, you know, maybe innovative ideas or concepts maybe to recruit and retain top talent. And I'm going to start with you because Kate's already said her innovation is to get her daughter involved. But <laughs> is, is your company yeah. or have you seen, you know, other companies perhaps in the Denver area or maybe, you know, throughout North America, you know, in terms of any innovation of what they're doing to not only attract, but also, you know, let's be honest, retention's the other half of the battle here and, and, and be able to retain that talent as well. Yeah. I, I wish that there was some really cool magic trick <laughs> that we could just abracadabra and wave and we'd be able to recruit and retain everyone. I, I think there's been a lot of strategies that have been tried. For us as an organization, and, and frankly, in all of the great conversations I get to have through NAOP and other groups with other companies, the most successful approach is still build a culture around a team of mutual respect. And when we find people, I'm going to take it out of kind of the developer stage, but you know, in our team, we have just over 40 individuals at Confluent. The majority of them are what we would call shared services, the construction managers, the accountants, the lawyers, you know, that are coming in and sort of supporting our process. They're coming from all types of industries. And it is shocking to me how many times we hear, I came to you because I heard that you guys had an incredible culture. And when I interviewed with you, I started to see that. And when I got here, it was 
absolutely shown to me. We have great longevity because of that. And it's not that no one ever leaves. It's not that other opportunities don't present themselves. But that, that culture question, while it feels like a nebulous word, it's the number one issue. Like people will compromise in other areas. I think if they know that they can work in an organization where they are passionate, where their passion is fueled and recognized, and frankly, where they're treated like adults. We spend a lot of time talking about how you are an adult, take responsibility for your decisions, and we empower you to make your own, and we're going to trust you with that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's gone further than any other kind of tip or trick or anything else that we've tried to do, at least as an organization. I don't know if that works with your daughter, yeah. Kate. It hasn't quite been <laughs> I mean, with my kids yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> well, I, I'm, she's eight, so uh, I've still got a little bit of a ways to go. But I, I mean, I think that's, it's funny when you said culture, I think what I keep coming back to in and what I've heard from my own forum, like our forum's been together th- for 11 or 12 years now. And so we've seen each other from like the beginning stages of our career through to now the stage where several of us are, you know, running the companies that we started with. And I think that's just such an interesting, why did they stay? And most of the time they stayed because they felt valued and they felt like their opinion was taken seriously. And they felt valued both from a personal contribution standpoint, but also from a compensation standpoint and yeah. from an opportunity to grow standpoint. You know, like I think if there had been no opportunity for a friend of mine who just took over as chief operating officer at his company, he, he would have gone elsewhere. But they showed him that there was a path and, and there's and there's that. I think that's a great point too. Investing in the talent you have is a huge piece for people to be able to know that there's not just a respect for what you're doing now, but a respect for your potential in the future to be able not not to quantify that, but to be able to, to sort of truly say, like, we want to invest time and resources into you so you can grow. And for a long time, I think companies were afraid of that. And, and, and this extended beyond real estate, but they're like, no, I can't train someone to go be too hireable somewhere else. And that's really flawed logic. And I believe that some of the benefits of what we've seen in what I'll call sort of our current job crisis uh, situation in the economy is that people are recognizing that that investment in talent development helps so much in that recruitment and retention, that loyalty base is just grows exponentially. It allows you to keep that institutional knowledge within your company. Like if this, if we totally. believe that absolutely any, you can teach almost anybody how to do a model and how to run Argus and whatnot, you absolutely can, but kind of getting a feel for, does something feel right? Are these assumptions correct? Can I get more out of this deal or can't I? That's practiced and that's learning from the folks in your own company and then from your own experience. But if you don't keep those people in your organization, you have to start yeah. all over again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The B part of that, right? And this comes a little bit back to like, what do you look for when you're hiring someone? And I think what is this kind of interesting dichotomy in our industry right now, at least in my personal experience, is for mm-hmm. for developers and people who are going out and, you know, call them rainmakers. They're out, you know, chasing and identifying and creating opportunity for a company. Mm-hmm. I need them to understand the fundamentals of what they're doing. I need them to have those reps and that gut take. I really mm-hmm. need them to get to the opportunity faster and think about it just a little differently than everyone else. Absolutely. And that's not really what our higher education institutions are teaching right now, right? Like everyone's sort of teaching the same fundamentals and how to approach things the same way. So I do, 
honestly, probably as much time like untraining and pivot training, mm -hmm. right? As I do sort of benefiting from that. If you do that and then lose that talent, that's the biggest loss. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, everything. It's so hard to recover from. So the more you can do to retain and, and invest in that pays huge dividends down the road. Definitely. Yeah. One way, and I think you both do an excellent job of this, you know, to, to invest in that talent that's out there is to serve as a mentor. And I know that, in, you know, in your careers, you've both done this. But I want to hop in the Mr. Peabody Wayback Machine here <laughs> and ask, you know, did you have a mentor yourself uh, earlier in your career? And, and if so, what was the lesson? Or how did they help you to get where you are today? For me, I've, I feel like I've had several mentors and I've had the opportunity to work with for and around them and that's that's essentially why it's been so helpful but i wouldn't say i've had just one person who i who i've said all right i want to do i want to become this person when i grow up because you have to find your own beat and your own path but you're very influenced by what that person views as important so yeah i would say i almost feel like i've had a series of micro mentors mm -hmm. a, a real estate attorney that i was close with who i kind of viewed as a i still view as you know a powerhouse woman in our industry who got everyone to agree to her point and then had them feeling like it was their idea like i was like i don't know what just happened but that was like a <laughs> jedi mind trick and everyone's like god isn't she just the nicest i was like dude, you just agreed to everything she wanted you to agree to. And I, and I was like, well, I have to, I have to learn that. Right. So having experience on finding a lot of different people who you'd love to take elements of what, what their special sauce is and kind of work it into your own magic, I think is, you know, for me has been the right recipe. And I, and I can't be the one-stop mentor for anybody. Uh, I don't, I don't view because they're not me and they're not, they don't look at the same dashboard every morning and sort of assets yeah. and liabilities. But if I can give them a little bit based on what makes sense to them, then I'll have paid forward the micro mentorship that I've been the beneficiary of it. And I've, honestly, like I try and try and work with people who I'd like to consider mentors and I, I do. So that's where I've been fortunate. I would encourage people as you look for opportunities in your career, work for someone who's who can kind of serve that role for you and can kind of teach you. And you'll you'll be on the right path. Like it's it's a, a definitely several steps in the right direction. Yeah, I, I love that that phrase and that concept of micro mentoring. I, I think that's spot on um, because you do, I mean, ultimately it, it's not really an emulation, but mm -hmm. it's sort of an amalgamation of best practices and, and lessons learned that help inform who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's right. life. That's not just a career. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's it's a pretty universal translation. So I love that. I, I'm in a similar boat. Like I, like I had mentioned, you know, early on, I, I had this amazing blessing where I, I sort of fell into this incredible team of people and leaders. And they saw enough to believe in me and help kind of train me up and cultivate me. And I, I was able to do that with people in an environment at a time. That, that trifecta just really helped me grow. But then there were these just little moments that I don't even know if you'd call them real formal mentorship, but like by, by way of example, I came in and I, I literally started as an administrative assistant and had no idea 
where real estate was, I started mm -hmm. learning it by filing documents and being like, what is a plat? What is an easement? What is this? I have no idea. Let me read it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and trying to build that up. And again, people were willing to invest kind of the time and resources in me that I was able to grow and, and go from the person taking the minutes in the meetings to the person running the meetings. But mm -hmm. that transition is not as easy, especially, you know, 17, 18 years ago, like it was not as easy as it is today. And I'm not saying it's easy today, but I remember there being a moment where we had a project meeting and I'm supposed to be running the meeting. And these are all people who've known me for a few years now as the person taking the notes and not really doing anything else. And I have to figure out how to gain control of this room and get people to pay attention. And I am failing <laughs> like miserably. <laughs> and there was a broker that was, was in the conference room with us and he kind of saw how things were running awry and he, I mean, it's hugely respected guy in the industry and he kind of shut everyone down. He's like, Hey, this is her show. Like, you need to stop, pay attention. She knows what she's talking about. That's and awesome. that one moment gave me the confidence to go forward for 20 years. Like wow. that would have been this make or break moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I am totally inept at this. I'm never going to figure this out. Nobody's ever going to listen to me. And that mm -hmm. one gesture of respect and ability to get people to listen like it changed everything is That's that wild. is that true mentorship i don't know but it was so. definitely a game changer for me it's right and it taught me how to respect other people in that position mentorship kind of sounds like scholarship like it's one of those things it's like this grand concept and it can last for decades and all this stuff <laughs> but some of it's just advocacy and so how can you be an advocate for other people and their careers the way that you've had the benefit of an advocate for yours. I think that's, to yeah. me, like advocacy and mentorship are intertwined and neither are mutually exclusive. They can exist in the same moment. It's just such an interesting moment to have shared because I feel like there's a validation moment in a lot of people's careers, but if you don't step back and consciously see it for what it was, maybe it doesn't become the confidence boost that it was that helped you propel and see yourself in the role that you were absolutely justified in being and have become such a you know valuable member of your company's organization because it kind of springboarded from a moment like that. I mean, it's just, that's amazing to me. And I, I hope other people see those moments in their own lives and are like, that that's a moment, you know, and hold on to it because it's yeah. special. Yeah. It, it is, it's impressive that, you know, all these years later, Celeste, you're still very much able to, to cite that as one specific moment in your career and say, this was, you know, this, Help me take that step. And, you know, that's just fascinating insight. Um, mm -hmm. As we wrap up, I just got a few quick closing questions here, kind of a little bit of a lightning round. Uh, <laughs> I know you're both incredibly successful uh, business people. You both had tremendously great careers, but you also have a life beyond commercial real estate. At least rumor has it anyways. <laughs> you know, what, Who's spreading that dirty rumor? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you like to do in your spare time? Oh, I mean, so I, I just turned 40 this year and I have taken up tennis and kind of have fallen down a rabbit hole of, you know, I forgot how much fun sports can be. And uh, even when you're not very good at it at first. So I, I try and I try and cook a lot, though my children don't like to eat what I cook. And I try and play as much tennis as my, you know, 40 year old body will allow. <laughs> so I'll say that. <laughs> And this is what makes Kate incredible is that when the whole world seems to be jumping into the pickleball wagon, Kate's like, no, I am all in on tennis. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, the salmon. 
<laughs> so I don't have any aspiration to be a tennis player anymore. So I'm getting a little bit on the pickleball side. Uh, my 42 year old body can handle that a little better. Um, <laughs> and I do way better competing against like 70 year olds. Right. <laughs> uh, but the other one that's probably a little ironic for as excited as I get about built spaces, it's the sort of get away from built spaces. Uh, so we love, I mean, we're in Colorado and that's awesome. you know, people choose to live here for a reason. And especially summer and fall, you know, we're out hiking anywhere we can find and finding every little nook and cranny we can just to get out and get some silence and enjoy, you know, the natural side of the world as much as we enjoy the built side of the world. So I, I end up dragging my family around as much as possible. And then they literally end up dragging me towards the end of the hike. And <laughs> it all works out. It all works out. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what is the best book, whether you know business related or otherwise, that you've read recently? Oh, I, so I'll say this. I am not fully through it yet. So may, maybe my opinion will change. But our principal recommended that I read Barbarians at the Gate, apparently a book that like everyone nice. else read in business yeah. school. But I went to a real estate school, so I didn't didn't get it. But learning about the world of leverage buyouts and RJR Nabisco, like, woo, that is some. The eighties were a crazy time, man. I just wish I had recognized it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, I haven't read that book in forever. I feel like right? I need to go pick it up again. But you um, read it. I I like totally somehow skipped this. <laughs> so I will tell you though. Here's what's funny is so I I was again fell into real estate. I was an English lit major in college. And so I, I spent an inordinate amount of time reading things that were seemingly wholly inapplicable to life. <laughs> <laughs> but I started to get really into history and, and um, biographies and things like that and kind of understanding the influencers of our world. So books like that kind of came to me post-college, but loved, you know, that it's just this world that you immerse yourself in and you kind of understand the back room of it. You're like, wow, it's incredible. You know, mm -hmm. for me, I think when I think about what I've read lately and I actually picked this up and reread it recently, given the state of the world we're in, but it's this book by Dan Carlin. It's called the end is always near. And mm. it's a super light read through kind of these pivotal moments in history when civilization thought that their kind of microcosm was absolutely going to be over, right? Oh, wow. So I'm like from Nineveh to, you know, 1177 to the atomic age and nuclear age to all of these different kind of milestone moments. And the whole notion is, did, you know, do the strong have to survive? Is that the mm -hmm. only way it works? Or are there other skills that lead to survival and keep civilization going forward? And it sounds like this huge meaty thing, but it is such an entertaining read. And it, it gives you that fresh perspective that's like, okay, I can, to, you know, to your original comment, Kate, or earlier mm -hmm. comment, like, I can see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I do not right. need to drink myself into a stupor tonight. No, right. <laughs> it's exactly. going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's, that's, that is such a cool, uh, I've not heard of that book at all. And I am definitely going to be putting that on the, on the read list. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. Good audiobook too. Well, I think maybe, you know, perhaps The Forest from the Trees might be a, a book title for either one of you. But <laughs> moving from that, let me actually ask you this. The final question here for, for, for each of you today, sticking with the book theme. Oh. You know, it, what would be the title of the book about you? 
Oh man, I don't know. I hope that I hope that title's not yet written because uh, I got some work to do. But I don't know. I feel like that's a hard one. Is the book about my professional career or my uh, late uh, late appearance on the senior tennis tour? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know, Kate. Your your title may be just that, just untitled, right? Untitled. How are you gonna get sort of yeah. put into a box right now? Uh, oh, it's, that's tough. I think that could work. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go with that. Untitled. As yet, untitled <laughs> memoir. <laughs> and now Celeste sits there and says, geez, I just gave away my answer. I got to think something else. <laughs> and if we're going to like name a title today, I don't know that it can get much past organized chaos, right? Like, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I... I, and then I think, you know, that's what's kept me going here, but I, I love being in super dynamic situations. And I think there's so much fun and creativity that comes out of the collision that happens when mm -hmm. you're not, you know, so organized and focused and you can rely on others to help you keep organized and focused mm -hmm. and let the creative juices flow. By the time I'm 45, I'm pretty sure that title is going to change pretty dramatically because I'm going to be <laughs> freaking exhausted. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thanks for telling me I'm on the downward slope then. That's <laughs> well, Kate, I'm a big believer in like when this life is over, I don't want to be all prettied and dirtied up but come sliding in, you know, scarred, bruised, half naked and muddy. Love like, it. I want to know Love how it. I my life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, I hope you don't feel like you came through this scarred and bruised today, but Kate, Celeste, I really want to thank you both for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed our time together, and I know that our listeners will value your insights. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. It was so much great fun. Great speaking. Yeah, great speaking with you guys. Thanks for listening to Inside CRE with your host, Mark Savatelli. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and be sure to subscribe. That's all for this episode. We'll talk with you again soon.